The Boldly Now Show, Burning Desire, Big Ideas, Bold Action. Hello and welcome to another episode of Boldly Now. This is Michael Sean Conaway, and today we're going to be speaking with Sean Korn. Sean is a uh, yoga teacher, a yoga activist, uh, who started an organization called Off the Mat and Into the World. Sean has been using yoga as a way to get people into action, to change the world for the better, uh, for what, about a decade now, Sean? 13 years. 13, 13 years. Wow, it's amazing, actually, when you think about that. And then, I mean, I, I remember we had a conversation once where you actually talked about all the projects that had been done, and it's pretty, it's pretty astounding what somebody can do if they just get started doing it. Um, so welcome to the show, Sean, and um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael, Sean. I'm always happy when I have an opportunity to connect with you like this. Yeah, great. Today we were gonna, I wanna tackle a couple of things just because I think you have some very, very deep expertise. One is, you know, if, if people out there are looking at the circumstances now and saying, wow, I'd like to make a difference, you know, what are some of the ways that they can think about their own personal power in that? What are some of the things that, that I might look to that don't seem uh, like they're not gonna make an impact or they don't seem like they're too big for me? So I wanna talk about that a little bit and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. And then I really wanna spend some time around what does it take to go from having an idea you wanna make a difference or make an impact to actually getting out there and doing something about it? How do we make that leap from thinking about it to doing something about it. So that's that's kind of the arc of our, our, our conversation is what's in my head right now. Of course, we're likely to take uh, divergent paths as they pop up, so I'm excited for that. But let's let's really start with, you know, the, the, the experience people are having of the world out there and the desire for something different to happen, likely something more heart-centered or, or, you know, kind. Um, and how, you know, like, just how do I even consider that whole ball of stuff and see myself taking action on it? Sure. Well, you know, I, th I think it, it depends on where you're at. Like, there are people right now in the world who are just trying to survive and get through the day. Mm -hmm. And uh, taking on big actions might not be appropriate at this time. They might just be concentrating on figuring out how to get their child to school or how to get their family fed. Um, so I always want to be really mindful that we should really be realistic about what our capacity is. Mm. Everyone can do something. Um, but for some people, it might be working on themselves, that they have this great interest in wanting to dismantle the systems that perpetuate oppression. But if they're not dismantling the systems within themselves that participate in that oppression, it might be a better idea to stop, learn, and listen, hmm. and take that information in, integrate it, and then be in service in a way that doesn't create more harm or colonization or oppression. And so for some people, it might mean that. Um, right now in the world, the one action that we can all do here in the United States that doesn't really take much more time, energy, or money is vote. That is a huge action that we can participate in in this moment. That is our right and our privilege that can, and I hope will make a difference. For some people, they might have the economic resources to be able to support um, organizations 
who are already uh, doing extraordinary work so that people don't feel like they have to reinvent the wheel. They should just look to see what are you interested in and is there someone else who's already doing this and do I have skills that can support this organization or do I have resources that can help the organization to be more sustainable? So I think there's a variety of ways that we can show up that change at different times in our experience. Um, and so we shouldn't give ourselves a hard time or compare what we're doing to someone else, what someone else is doing. But I do believe that everyone has the capacity, whether it's in your family, your community, or on a much more um, global level to participate and create social change so that all beings have uh, a right to a happy, healthy life that is sustained and resourced. Right, I, I love what you just said there, because it, it may just even actually be that, that having some conversations with people could be a, a really large action to take. Even if there are people that, that normally agree with you, just to, to actually take a moment and and have conversations that, that may be a little bit more um, sane, I think there's a lot of, of very, very intense media out there that's leading us towards rabbit holes of information that may not be true. And, and right and left, it's, it's definitely one of the is biggest issues of our times is that there's a lot of, of misinformation out there. But I, th I think, I think what's, what disrupts that a lot of times is actually really being in conversation with people, like having a phone call or a Zoom call, like, like we're doing this interview on today, to to get out of kind of our, our isolation and into conversation is a really important part. And I think that, I don't want to, so the first thing, if, if you don't, if you're not resourced and don't have, have things to contribute, you know, you may need to work right here. And that's the same thing, right? You transform in within to transform without and, or transform out. Um, I, I can clearly see that. And, and I see that, that there's lots of, of, you know, like just practical things that we can do to get into action. Um, and I like the fact that you put it on a continuum. So let's go to the, the continuum where actually I am been thinking about something for a long time and I, I want to make a difference. Maybe I've already worked in a, a little bit of a nonprofit world or maybe I've contributed to that, but it's not exactly what I want to do. I, I may not want to reinvent the wheel, but like, you know, like how do I even like, go from I want to do something to having an idea about what I want to do. Um, when I think about it for myself personally, I'm always looking at a bigger spiritual picture mm. uh, to why I want to engage, you know, with the world around me. So I know for myself that I want to create a world that is equal, just, safe, happy, free and fair for all beings everywhere. So I know that that's my purpose in life, is to contribute in some way that uplifts society. So I kind of put that big vision out there, um, kind of sits in the ethers. I think about the skills that I already have. For me, it's teaching yoga. Um, it's uh, uh, perhaps art. Um, maybe uh, for some, it might be cooking. It might be knitting. They might have things that they love to do and want to share it with the world. And I think that that's really important. Like it, it, being in service doesn't have to be hard or awful or terrible. 
It could be a matter of just sharing who you are, what you love in a way that creates some equity and peace for all. So you want to, uh, so let's say you do have like, okay, I want to do something. You want to lean back and recognize what are your resources? Who's in your community? And um, what do you need? So you might need money. So it's like, okay, that might be the first step. How do you fundraise? How do you raise awareness about this particular issue? You might recognize though that you have to fundraise, but you also have to feed your kids. So is what you're doing, is it sustainable enough? Is the vision too big for where you're at in your life? Mm -hmm. Maybe right now you might wanna take it a little bit more slowly, do some research about what it is that you love, um, find out more of the details. And perhaps your work is just to make phone calls or um, stuff envelopes for other organizations. You, it's not a, it's, there's no way just to say, here's what you do. Um, the way in which I approach it though, is making sure that it's aligned with my values. And then I work backwards. I gain all the skills that I might need that will lead me towards that vision. Um, Sometimes, like when I create, when I co-founded Off the Mat Into the World, if I had been more researched and more prepared, I probably never would have done it. If I would have known how difficult it is to run a nonprofit, I would have talked myself out of the experience. Hmm. But instead, I took baby steps and first just created a little bit of a training. And that was something that was manageable from the training it became some a project that was local, that was sustainable. From a local project, it became a national project. Then it moved into an international project. It didn't happen all at once, but with each baby step, it kept leading me into the bigger vision that I had. Yet at the time, I didn't even know what the bigger vision was. I just had to take all the baby steps that it was gonna take, that was gonna lead me in a direction with some organization. And along the way, figured out there were skills I needed. I needed computer skills. Perhaps I needed um, audiovisual skills. Um, uh, I needed skills in relationship to how to do a spreadsheet, how to budget, how to build a board. Um, all of those, those things happened in time. So I always recommend start a little smaller if you're new to this and you don't have those resources. Always hold that bigger vision in your heart. Um, align yourself with community and with friends. Make sure that you are in communication about the project with other people so that you can get appropriate feedback. And don't be frustrated if you, um, quote, fail, because if all the failures, and I hate using that word, but all the missteps that I've made within my own um, service has matured me has deepened my wisdom when it has, when it comes to the the organizational part of building a nonprofit and being of service that they were instrumental in my development uh, in my activism so don't be afraid if that happens odds are those moments are going to lead to something else but it really is going to depend on where someone's at i mean someone has a lack of resources, it's going to change the way in which we approach our service. Um, if someone has a lot of resources, I'm gonna say like you, there might be other work that has to be done around, around power and privilege, around colonization, all sorts of other things that we, you might wanna consider. 
Um, but each person's going to approach stepping into purpose in a very different way. But my hope is that it comes from a place of spirit, a place of love, a place of genuinely wanting to share yourself with the world for the betterment of all mankind. And that our work is to keep our ego in check, to really look at why do we want to do this? Do we want to do this because we want people saying how amazing we are, that we want, we have some kind of savior complex. Those are things that you got to like, you got to stop, look inward, do that work to dismantle that and then show up again. Um, so everyone's going to approach stepping into purpose in a very different way. Um, but there are steps to take uh, that can help in terms of the organization of it. But the visioning of it is quite individual. Yeah, great. Lots that you just said that are super important. I want to unpack for our audience just a little bit. First of all, I'm going to kind of work backwards. Uh, and I'm going to it, first, let's, like you said, baby steps. And you got really clear that um, you need to um, uh, make this progress towards something by taking manageable steps, we'll say, or say. And the great thing about those is it gives us feedback, right? If we take a little step, we get a little feedback. Oh, that didn't go the way I wanted to. It went this way and that's good or that's not. And oh, I'm gonna do that again, but when I do it next time, I'll do it like this. And then you do it again and, and it works better. And mm -hmm. I think that some of the, like a failure at a little step is, it's not even a setback. It's like, oh, that didn't work out the way I wanted to. But a failure, if we are trying to, you know, make it from A to Z in one step, it, you know, it seems devastating. Like, there's no way anybody could ever do this. So, it, we, and we, we talk a lot about prototyping and iterative process. You know, iterate your way to perfection is a much better approach than thinking you're going to figure it out in your brain and then go out and execute perfectly on something that you thought of. And it, there's, we have some kind of weird, you know, brain thing about if I can imagine it, it'll work exactly like I imagined it. And it never works exactly as you imagined it. No, no. I, I think back when off the map first started 13 years ago, it was the purpose of the, the intention of off the map was to help people find their purpose. Mm. It was, that was it. And as we started to train people to step into purpose and be in service in their local community, um, we started to get more expanded in our vision and we created the global save a challenge and raised all this money, brought people to other countries and um, helped to support grassroots organizations um, that were doing extraordinary work in the field and started to see the idea of purpose as being something more expanded. But in that process of raising a lot of money and doing great work, all of a sudden I started to get a glimpse of the way in which our efforts, even though they were well-intended, were actually perpetuating systems of oppression that included colonization. And at first I was like, no, 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 we're just helping this. We're doing good work. But I couldn't get the feeling out of my body. The more aware I became that I was actually becoming the problem and we started then studying more about social justice. Mm -hmm. And in that process, I would say and do things and get called out by my community that, um, that some of the choices that I make, you know, I, uh, were, were oppressive, were racist, were, um, I wasn't recognizing my privilege, uh, that I wasn't acknowledging that because I'm part of the dominant culture, that the choices that I was making was actually creating harm. And again, I'd be like, but wait, I'm just trying to help. And 
feeling fragile about being misunderstood. And the more I got called in, not called out, called in, the more it forced me to have to realize like, oh my God, they're right. They're absolutely 100% right. And it shifted the way in which we began to teach and articulate this information to other people. So we move people from, from purpose to service to understanding it through the, the lens of social justice. This took years. I don't look back at our original intention and think that somehow it was bad or flawed. It was an essential part of the evolution that helped me in this body, a white woman of privilege, um, part of the dominant culture, understand the ways in which because of my worldview, the way in which I've been raised to experience the world was actually causing suffering. And that until you can see it, you can't change it. That's right. And so my purpose, the vision that I had 13 years ago, looks incredibly different now, 13 years later. And it's steeped with community, with support, with wisdom. And it's all because other people along the way called us out, called us in and up, and challenged us to expand our thinking and to take accountability for our own ignorance. And so if I would have quit, which I wanted to, believe me, in, in when I first started messing up and I would get called out, I would, you know, because I just felt embarrassed or misunderstood, there was a huge part of me that wanted to say, I, I'm not doing this. This is uncomfortable. But that's just my privilege, privilege talking. My privilege says you don't have to do this. You can walk away because it's ultimately not going to affect my life. But then I'm part of the problem. I have to confront those belief systems within myself and those indoctrinations. This to me is the huge work of anyone who wants to get into service, who wants to, you know, quote, help people, that we really have to recognize that at this, at, in 2020, that we gotta be willing to look different. We've gotta be willing to be humble, um, to be humiliated at times, to unpack the, um, the limiting beliefs, our biases, our prejudices, our racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ageism, etc., and all the belief systems that we've inherited based on our culture, our education, and our ancestry. Um, especially if you're someone who looks like me or, or you, white-bodied people who are part of the dominant culture. And so anyone who's listening to this right now, know, you need to know that we just can't be well-intended, that this work is deep. And it's going to hold a mirror up to all of our shadow self. Even if we think that we are well-intended, the impact can be harmful and hurtful to others. So I see all the steps that we took the past 13 years, small steps, great steps. We did extraordinary work. And then we, had to, we also had to pull back um, all in the name of equity and justice. And so it even meant dismantling the Global Save a Challenge, even if it, even though we were raising millions of dollars and doing great work, it wasn't worth it. Um, we had to, we had to stop that program and think what's really in the best interest of our community. And it was teaching people how to listen and learn from the people who are most impacted 
by oppression. The very people that we say we want to serve, let's hear from them what, what, what's actually needed and what our roles might be. And that's the work that we've been doing, um, one of the projects that we've been doing since. So I come from a, a, a place within my service about a, that it's about accountability, that I've got to walk my talk and model back to my community what um, humility looks like in the face of service and how to show up um, through a social justice framework so that we're not bringing our uh, power and privilege into what we do. Um, because if we do, we create more hierarchy, more dominance, and then therefore more oppression. So that's kind of the, you know, the only way that I can reflect back to people who are doing, want to do this kind of work is make those mistakes, but don't give up. Right. Surround yourself by um, different kinds of people who have different lived experience, folks on the margins with different ethnicities, different religions, different socioeconomic backgrounds, different abilities, um, learn from them. Um, instead of imposing your beliefs and your experience or even your fears onto a culture that you might not understand, take the time to broaden your wealth of information and odds are you'll find um, where you fit in your service. And it might not be, again, if you look like me, if you're a white bodied person, it might not be up front and center. Um, it might mean stepping back a little bit, elevating others, amplifying others, and using your resources as a way to create more equity. Yeah, beautiful. I, I, I love the, that one of the actions you can take if you wanna transform the world is to learn to listen and listen to learn. That's that's a an and I think one of the things that that you know, like just to be distinct distinct sitting in your room or on your couch having ideas is mm. is not action. It it's yeah. doing something, but it's not taking an action. But then we sometimes think of taking an action means I have to get a hammer out and build a building or you know like that, that it has to be a a physical gesture, but you know, you're talking about is definitely an action sitting down with somebody you don't understand and asking questions to learn is amazing. And I really like the thing that you're saying here is like, if I go out to, to impact the world, help change systems from an entitled and privileged place, I'm just going to build what I've got right now. And we've seen it over the history of, of humankind. The privileged class has always been the privileged class. And maybe it changes a little bit by the makeup or whatever, but it has a very similar dominance. Mm -hmm. And 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 I think part of that is that that every time we try to do better, we just incorporate all the other stuff in there. And until you have a broad perspective and a lot of different voices and you've actually listened really deeply, you're unlikely to create anything new. Um, mm -hmm. which I think is the impulse right now is that we actually learn from all this stuff and do something a little bit differently. So thank you for that. I I also want to just kind of you've mentioned vision and purpose a, a number of times and at the be you know kind of earlier in the show you you said your own purpose in this and you said hey i got to step back and hold my purpose up if i want to do anything can you repeat your purpose again for for the audience please yeah um i mean ultimately and it's again it's my privilege that allows me to be in purpose in this way because um I'm not in that situation where I'm struggling to feed my family. You know, I'm not living day to day. So uh, I'm often very sensitive when I, when I say things like this because I have the um, resources that allow me to uh, think big 
and um, take risks. So I just want to be sensitive when I set when I when I offer that up. Um, but my 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 purpose is to show up in this world and to use my my heart, my skills, my talent, my love to create a world that is fair, free, just, equal, safe, resourced, peace-filled, and loving for all beings everywhere. Um, that's really what my purpose in this world to do and to share my talents. My talent happens to be teaching yoga um, and um, my self-expression. Those are some of the things that come naturally and organically to me because of training, but that I can give back to the world that can actually make a difference. Some people cook, some people knit, some people have other skills that they love to share with the world. This is what I wanna to do to share with the world. Um, but within that, there's different, there's, there's a mirror gets hold up, held up. Like, as far as I'm concerned, when you make a declaration, like your spirit, like I wanna show up and, and be in service. I wanna create a world that is just. I believe that spirit's gonna hold that mirror back and say, great, because I'm now gonna show you all the ways in which you in your own personal life do the opposite because you can't show up in the world with true empathy if you if you because of your own entitlements because of your own repressed belief systems are actually uh, both uh, overtly and subtly creating harm and so that that's the part that's the most uncomfortable but a true action is moving towards that inquiry Right. saying, okay, show me, I'm open, let me see, show me my bias, show me my prejudice, show me my entitlement. You know, it's not that we'll change it, but trust me, as you get better with at this, when it comes up, you feel it as a sensation in your body and you're like, oh, there's my entitlement. I'm not gonna make a choice in this moment. I'm not going to open my mouth in this moment because I'm going to create harm. So you sit with the discomfort and then make a choice then speak your truth, but rather than be, be so impulsive. So spirit will hold that mirror up, but then spirit will just say, well, okay, you talk about freedom and equity and justice. What does that actually mean? And who is it for? And is it different for other people? And how much of your own comforts are you willing to surrender for the welfare of others? And then it's like, oh, okay. Now I'm being asked to perhaps let something go. That, I wasn't anticipating that. And so I think that for me, because I have a spiritual context behind my, my purpose, mm -hmm. it's something that's changeable, malleable. It's not finite. Right. I can't really know what my full purpose is until I take my last exhale. Because as I mature, that purpose is also gonna to continue to expand because my self-confidence evolves. And when my self-confidence evolves, and I mean self-confidence, not ego, with a capital S self-confidence, then I'm capable of taking risks. I'm willing to make mistakes. I'm willing to shoot for the moon because it's not about me. The efforts are about something bigger and that's collective transformation. But until I'm in that state of maturity, then I have to struggle with, you know, did I do the right thing? Are people gonna like me? And um, are they gonna value me? A lot of the traps that we get into when we start get being in service. Often we get into service because we're uncomfortable with circumstances and we want to change them. 
And before A, finding out if the people we want to serve are looking for change, and if they're looking for change from, from me or from you, um, that's also really critical. And also looking at why. It, are you running from something that you're unwilling to change in your own life? If, I, if I'm of service, I can control perhaps someone else's destiny. But is that because my own life is out of control? So I think that there's a lot of inquiry that people should go through as they approach service. That doesn't mean they don't do something. Mm. But I would still recommend be mindful about it. Take smaller steps. Make sure your intentions are coming from an integrated place. Um, otherwise, you, you, like I said before, you can just be in the way. Right, or causing harm by 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 good intentioned actions that's um that's really great and i think we we talk a lot about just you know this kind of areas of purpose of understanding what your area of impact might be uh, and i think you've talked about that you know and, and obviously that area of impact can be supported in many many ways other than you know like a, a project of your own certainly joining other people's projects is necessary and being a follower um and a worker is mm -hmm often the most valuable thing that you can contribute. If you do have deep, deep inspiration in an area of impact, then then the first thing you can do is share it and get into inquiries. Like, is this is this inspiration actually, would it make a difference? And is it, yeah. and, and that, I've, that I've spoken to enough people of, of great diversity that would be impacted by that difference to know whether it's desirable, right? Mm -hmm. We talked about futurism. We, the kind of future we're trying to build is a desirable future, not one in our own image, right? Not one in our own, you know, like this is my model of, of what would be great. It's like, no, we actually need collective desirability. Like, oh, that would be better. It would definitely be better if everybody had, um, you know, justice. Like if, if, if the world was a just place. I think it would definitely be better if, if I, you know, I didn't have just automatic keys to the kingdom because of the color of my skin or because of where I was born on the planet. Mm -hmm. Th those two things right there, that's lifetimes of, of work. I mean, it's it's, thousands of years of, of building the walls that we have now. It's not gonna be over with in, in 18 months. Um, nope. and, and those are very noble causes. And maybe designing a technology that helps do something that, that doesn't look like service, but wow, would make voting unhackable, or maybe would make verification of, of information really quick and easy. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, that can make a really big contribution in those worlds. So I, I appreciate that. I also just wanna, to, to say ditto on your, your you make a, a vow of some kind of service and then you get shown it. And when, when I was in my 20s, I took a Bodhisattva vow, which is a vow of compassion and compassionate service for your life. And the next 24 months were just terrifying because I was, I just got shown how, how little compassion I actually really did have um, over and over again. And then still even to this day, I'm like, okay, am I, am I serving myself or am I actually serving you know, the greater good. And, and obviously we need to, to take care of ourselves. It's not saying that taking care of yourself is serving. So I think that's a big piece of it and it can scare people off. And I would say I would never trade the life I've had in. And I, I look back at that, you know, crazy 26, 27 year old who made that vow. And I'm just thankful. It was a hard road, but I'm very thankful that that, that whatever that wisdom was came through. And I'm not saying that anybody has to take a vow to do that, but 
getting clear about your intentions and your purpose. And I love your purpose and I'd, I'd frame it and put it on my wall if I could remember all the words, but maybe you can email it to me so I can be in service to that too, because it's such a beautiful articulation. Um, the process I think also you described of, of growing in your purpose and growing in your service is one that I think we can all hold up and say, wow, that's actually what's going on. It's not like a switch, like one day I'm working for the man and the next day I flip a switch and I'm now I'm a, you know, a saint who's doing service. It's, it's an evolutionary process and we get to grow as much as we can stand to grow. Absolutely. You know, I look back at who I was 13 years ago in my service or even 30 years ago in my service and I cringe at some of my choices and behaviors that felt so righteous at that time. But I have a feeling that in 20, 30 years from now, if I'm still alive, I'll look back at this moment and cringe at some of the choices that I've made. But I won't regret. I will recognize that this was part of the process of becoming whole. Um, in the practice of yoga, we're taught that our liberation is bound and that I can't be free unless we're all free. With that knowing, it, it, it make it part of my practice has to be of service. It has to be about interdependency. It has to be about relationship because if it's not, then I know that my own path here in this body at this time is incomplete. So whenever I hear the word selfless service, I've never related to that because my service has always been in conjunction with my own personal evolution. One can't be extracted from the other. And it's often what I want to help try to support people in understanding that our service, it has to be consistent, um, but it's, it can be small, large, complex, effortless. For some people, um, their, their service is raising their kids. Mm. That that is, I remember when I first started going overseas and, and doing all this work and my experience from the outside looked very glamorous and it looked dramatic. You know, it looked like I was saving, you know, saving the world. But my partner who was a single parent to, you know, he had three children, he couldn't get on a plane with me because he had to drive his kids to work. He couldn't go to where all the countries that I was going to because he had to figure out how to get the kids to basketball and to whatever else they were doing. And so from the outside eye, I looked like I was in service to the world. When I would, it was easier getting on an airplane and going off to another country than having to deal with the day to day. His service to making sure that his children were sustained, educated, grounded, loved, secure was essential. And once the kids grew, that allowed space and freedom for him to show up in the world in a different way. But prior to that, his only commitment had to be to his kids. But I don't look at his service as any less uh, grand or consequential than my own. And I think that a lot of people go into that thinking, well, what I'm doing is so small, this is, it's nothing. Um, but it really is the intention that drives it. And if you're willing to see a bigger picture, that if you wake up every day and you're like, I'm gonna show up for my family because I wanna raise whole and integrated children so that they show up and love this world as much as they love their own family, as much as they love their own safety and security. What better service is that? That changes generations. Mm -hmm. 
that changes systems because systems are made up of people. You change the people, you change the systems. So I think that the idea of service and purpose has to be something that's evolutionary. You, it has to meet you in a way that's sustainable because if you burn out, then it, you're no good for anybody. And sometimes there are times where, like for an example, I would have to say that my biggest passion beyond anything that I do is animal rights. I don't have the nervous system to be a frontline activist when it comes to animal rights. I, for whatever reason, like you could put me in an environment where there's abused children and my nervous system is grounded and steady and stable. I don't get triggered. And if I do get triggered, I know how to integrate it and process it. And I can actually be useful because the emotionally, the attention doesn't orient towards me or my overwhelm. That's not the case when it comes to animals. You put me in a situation where I see an animal being abused and I lose it. I have no capacity for my center. I am incredibly emotional. And as a result, attention gets focused on taking care of me rather than taking care of the issue. So I know that I can't be a frontline activist, but what I can do is give money. What I can do is support other organizations and people who can do that work, whose nervous system orients to that and, um, and step back and look at, here's what, my, here's what is sustainable, here's what, is, what I can do, and, and I will do it and not think it should look any differently. And so you have to really know yourself and what is, where your capacities are at, but it doesn't mean I turn my back on animal rights. It just means I find another way to support others in their purpose and make it more sustainable for them. That's, that's two things beautiful. Thank you for the, the demonstration of, of like how something you care so deeply about, you can't be on the front line of. And I think that's something that's not very distinct for people. And certainly mm -hmm. the, the capacity for people to tune into their emotions to let them know is a, a really great guidepost. And I love that you said that you, you, there are certain things you can get triggered about, about that you can take inside and, and integrate and not become the center of attention. I never thought about that. When I'm triggered, suddenly, not only in my mind and my world over here, become the center of attention, but and it affects people around me and they start looking in that direction as well. Uh, so thank you. That's a, that's a beautiful piece. I, I also, I want to go back to the, and just, just to wrap this up, like when you said, you know, if I could be a great parent or your partner was being a great parent, that was his service. And if we really get out beyond ego, then we really have to see our impacts at, at least in a, a, a single generation time frame. If we really want to get ego out of the way, then we have to get maybe four generations down the line. You know, by the fourth generation, they forget your name. They might remember the nickname that they called you, you know, grandma or Omar or whatever it is, but, they, the, but in general, your name begins to become forgotten four generations, so great-great-grandkids and beyond. And so if you're, if you're working right now to make that fourth generation's life be uh, more, more free, more open, more just, whatever your thing happens to be, then you're pretty sure that you're doing it out of, out of service, not out of ego. If you, can't, if you yourself can't, can't get the benefits. And so I really like people that really, like, like you said in the very beginning, and I think this is the biggest takeaway, and there's something you wanna impact, step back, mm -hmm. really make sure it's aligned with your purpose. 
really make sure and maybe look even three or four generations. If something that I'm gonna do gets started today and other people were to pick it up or maybe there's a movement happening I'm just part of and that movement were to go on, uh, you know, like at, at social justice issues, you know, like the movement today is stands upon the shoulders of giants who've mm -hmm. done so much. And not only is still shoulders of giants in our own civil rights movement, but, you know, Gandhi and, and, and going back in time, you know, people who have, have taken that, that, that journey on. So connect with the past, connect with those who've cared and loved the thing you care and love about, carry the part forward as much as you can and try to give it off into the future, into generations to come so that the thing you care about gets transformed through time and action. Absolutely. I think that's a beautiful way to put it. I mean, in my own family, um, I've, I've also often known when my stepchildren were, were young that the way to get them not to do anything was to tell them what to do. And so I knew that my life and my lifestyle, uh, you know, I knew that one day, I believed in my soul that one day when they were old enough to understand what it is that I stood for and how I was showing up um, would intrigue them. But not if I sat and down and said, you know, you should be intrigued by what I'm doing. It's fabulous. It's really interesting. And instead just try to lean back and live as an example and create opportunities for them to participate with me and do it in a way where I could both show them, guide them and mentor them but also simultaneously be in new experiences where the, the playing field was level mm. and we had to solve problems together. Mm. So it was empowering for them and also changed the, the parental hierarchy. And I didn't know when, um, when my stepchildren were young, you know, I had to have a lot of faith because uh, of course there was a huge part of me that wanted to say like, you know, generations, we need to do this and you need to get on board with me. But I also had to trust that they had their own path and their own karma and that uh, to love them, guide them, ground them in their roots, plant seeds, and that if they felt safe enough and if it was in alignment with their own purpose to create opportunities that allowed them to expand their own worldview. Um, and I've seen that happen within my own family, but it really was a lot of letting go. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could feel my agenda and what I wanted from my family, but I often had to step back and trust that they're, they have their own karma and I don't know what that's going to look like, but I also know they're paying attention. Yeah. And now that I'm a grandchild, I feel a real responsibility. Same thing. I look at her and I think like, okay, kid, I got your back and I hope that I live my life in such a way that it inspires my grandchild to want to engage in the world and use her own skills and talents and passions to uplift and support others. But I also have to let go of the attachment to it because I don't know what their path and their destiny might be. But all I can do is show up for mine and create opportunities for them to join with me um, with compassion, but also acceptance that their their destiny is their own. It's hard, as a parent, it's hard to say everything I've just said. Yes. <laughs> I believe it, and I have a lot of attachment to the other. Oh, this so, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and I just wanna you know, thank you for this conversation. I think it's very, very helpful to our listeners to get some of the perspectives of, of your time on the planet and, and being in action and learning 
and growing wisdom. And I, I love this image of, you know, we just have to follow our purpose and our destiny and let go of everything outside of that, even if it's painful. And that's a, that's a really great thing to leave us with. Sean Korn, thank you so much for this conversation today. I very much appreciate any chance we can get to, to get together and talk. I feel like I learn a lot from you, but I also get that sense of, of you know, brotherhood, sisterhood, we're, we're walking this path together. And that, that makes my journey happier for a short period of time, if nothing else. And if it, in any way our, our conversations can uplift and impact the people who are listening, have them uh, be able to follow their purpose much more, then so be it. Uh, yes, thank you, Sean, uh, for joining our show today. Thank you, Michael, Sean, uh, always. I, I look forward to every, every opportunity I have a chance to connect with you. I always love these conversations, so thank you. And, and to everyone who's listening, trust the path, trust your, your process, and your purpose will unfold very organically if you can show up in full faith. Great, so that's it for now. Goodbye, Boldly Now Show listeners. We'll see you soon again. The Boldly Now Show, igniting the world of burning desire, big ideas, and bold action. Boldly Now is an initiative of the Generative Futures Initiative, generating a thriving future for humanity. Learn more at generativefuturesinitiative.com.